2: Hello and welcome to Sunday Night Conversations. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. A show brought to you by D1Baseball.com. I want to say thank you to our presenting sponsor, Netting Pros. Netting Pros specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting and padding for college baseball programs all around the country. Next time your field or facility needs something new, whether that's netting, wall padding, L screens, ball carts, you name it. Make sure you check out our friends at Netting Pros. We will see them at the convention. These guys are awesome. Their products are awesome. They love college baseball. If you have uh, needs in this area, this is a no-brainer. These guys will take great care of you and they they just absolutely love the sport. So um, welcome. This is the last Sunday night conversation of this fall. It's year three. Um, if you've not listened before, a couple years ago, we spent uh, the, the whole fall talking to the volunteer coaches in college baseball, really trying to uh, learn about the 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 next wave of great coaches in our sport. Last year, we just did some fun stuff around themes like pitching, hitting, catching, etc. This year, I've just gotten totally selfish and off the rails, and I'm just trying to think of fun themes that, um, you know that that I'm really interested in. And it's inter- This is a perfect bookend because the very first show we did this fall. We talked to Blair DeBoard and Ross Kivett and Mike Clement, who were all part of the 2013 Kansas State team that won the Big 12. That was the only time they'd ever won the conference. And they pushed Oregon State, you know, Michael Conforto's Oregon State team in a, an epic super regional. Um, just a really fun team. You know, Blair DeBoard is a future Power Five, Power Four, whatever it is, athletic director. He's a stud. You know, Mike Clements at Ole Miss, Ross Kivett, you know, at at Houston. And so this is a great opportunity, too, to talk to Skylar Mead, who's the head coach at Troy, Jimmy Bellinger, who's the pitching coach at Clemson, because these guys were on the 2007 Louisville team that went to the College World Series. Now, why is that significant? This is going to be a little dramatic when I say it, but I, I mean this like that team changed the next 15 years of college baseball because Louisville went from a program, I don't want to be harsh or or, um, inaccurate, but Louisville was not on the national radar in college baseball. They just weren't. And then they've been on the radar ever since in a big, big way. Um, You know, Louisville was when Dan McDonald took over Louisville, they had never made or they had made one NCAA tournament before 2002 under Coach Prado. I I almost feel like hiring Coach Prado was the most famous thing Louisville had done because he had won two national titles at Tampa as a Division II head coach. Uh, And so for a school to go from one NCAA tournament appearance ever in school history to now under Dan McDonald, Louisville has won – or they've been to the College World Series five times. What's crazy, even crazier about Skyler and and Jimmy's team, 2007 Louisville, is that was Mac's first year. Like, who takes over a program that's not on the map and then goes to Omaha in the first year? The answer is no one does that. Like, that doesn't happen. So anyway, I am super pumped for this. I've got a million questions for you guys. Um, this is going to be super fun. So Skylar, let me start with you. Let, let's let's uh, have you guys just introduce yourself and bullet point us around your your baseball life. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you play? Um, and then where have you coached since?
3: Well, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I'm as a uh, growing up as big of a Louisville fan. I know Jimmy knows this as probably anybody that's ever uh, donned a uniform there, I could tell you just about every score from every football and basketball game since I was born in 1984 and, and, and before that as well. And so grew up in Louisville, went to Louisville Ballard high school, uh, was recruited by coach Mundorf and and coach Prado to, uh, to play there. And, um, you know, I was actually there five years. I'd gotten hurt in 2005 and ended up actually missing two years, essentially, and got to come back. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy and I got to play together that one year for that 2007 ride that you mentioned. So, um, of course you know our team did what our team did and we got to have a lot of great experience with that and then about 12 days out of uh playing in omaha i, I started my coaching dir- journey at eastern illinois university i uh, got an opportunity to be a pitching coach and, and second assistant there at, at 22 years old and was there for five years went on to, to middle tennessee state for a couple years worked at michigan state uh jimmy and i got the battle against each other during you know the maryland and, and michigan state in the big 10 times and then uh Jimmy had gone on to the SEC and, and always told me uh, how much fun it was. And then I got to fortunately go in the fall of 17 to work for Coach Kingston at University of South Carolina. I was there four years. And then, uh, you know, something you work for, at least with the goals that I had in mind uh, in July of 2021, became the head coach here at Troy. And it's been a fun two years and, and hopefully a lot of uh, great things to come.
2: All right. So, Skylar, a couple of follow up questions. Um uh, just in case our good friend Chris Burke is listening to me, like the, if you're an elite athlete in the Louisville area, you go to Louisville Ballard High, right? Like that's where like if you want to be a pro athlete, that's where you go. If maybe you're not of that ilk, you know, maybe you just want to have a nice experience. You might go to like <clears throat> a Stain X, go Tigers. I, I I just had to throw that zinger in there. But I, I, all kidding aside, Skylar, I feel like Ballard's had like a million pro athletes. Like, was there any like super famous dudes that were there when you were there?
3: So, uh, Jeremy Sowers was a two-time first-round pick. He was wow. a high school teammate of mine for three years. Um, best man in my wedding, best man in his wedding, Sean Kelly, was a guy who actually didn't even get to play much in, in high school. He ended up playing in the big leagues for 11 years uh, that I played with. We grew up together. Uh, so, uh, you know, he spent a great amount of time. But, I mean, we've had it in a million sports. You know, my freshman year, at just in high school, we were finished number one in the country in hoops, had multiple, you know, D1 guys. Allen Houston, Jeff Lamp, uh, Devontae Parker in the NFL, um, Joe Adele. Uh, there's a multitude of, of great athletes that have come through there.
2: How about who's your favorite Louisville basketball player all time? Say, Milt Wagner. Ooh.
3: So I like I wore number 20 because I did like Milt Wagner, and uh, he was very famous in my household. But my favorite player of all time is really easy. It was a guy named Dewan Wheat. Um, he played there in 1993-97 was a superstar, went to Ballard High School, ended up playing in the NBA, another Ballard uh, guy. And I just emulated everything I did in basketball off that guy. I thought he was the coolest player ever. I, I didn't know basketball could exist after <laughs> he graduated in 97, but uh, by far my favorite one.
2: So so were you, um, you obviously pitched in high school. So you and Jeremy Sowers are like just taking on Kentucky high school teams. Like I would imagine you guys didn't lose for like a couple of years.
3: Well, it's funny, you know, so uh, obviously I got to do my fair share of pitching and playing. Jeremy was a heck of a player and pitcher. Uh, Tyler Shrout, who's the pitching coach at Sanford, was one of our best pitchers. He ended up, you know, um, winning a zillion games during his time. Jer- uh, Jeremy's brother, Josh, who went to Yale, was a ninth rounder. Uh, yeah, there was a multitude of, of really good players, uh, both before and, and after.
2: Oh, that's awesome. All right. So, Jimmy, you you, you were not born into uh, Louisville, uh, the University of Louisville. Go ahead. Give us your give us your bullet points, Jimmy. Yeah. So I was
4: uh, I grew up on Long Island. Then I went to North Babylon High School on the South Shore of Long Island. All my family's still there. And uh, I actually went to junior college before I went to Louisville. So I was at uh, Cecil College in Maryland uh, for really two and a half years. And it was when you can do the mid-year transfer. So I actually mid year transferred into Louisville before that 07 season. Oh my So God. I can yeah, I came flying in like a like a bat out of hell. So we uh, so got did that and then obviously, you know, spent that junior year there and then I had one more year. So 08 oh uh, eight was my last year playing. And then uh, kind of like Schuyler, you know, I didn't get a chance to play Pro Ball. Uh, but after I got done playing, I I coached the team that I grew up playing for. And it was a, a big team in the Northeast. It was called the Bayside Yankees. Uh, so I went and coached them that summer. And then uh, Matt called me and asked me if I wanted to come back and be a student assistant because I had to finish my degree. So I got the opportunity to go back my last year and, and be a student assistant coach. And then just like Skyler at the age of 22, I was fortunate to get a you know second assistant job at Monmouth where I was running my own pitching staff. And, like, probably like Skyler, I mean, I had a guy in my staff, I was three months older than at the time. But I uh, spent three years at Monmouth, uh, went to the University of Maryland, we spent four years there, and bounced around between Kentucky, Florida State, and then, you know, now at Clemson.
2: That's awesome. Who is the Bayside Yankees guy? Mark, like, owned, like, a little service? Mark Marcus, oh, yeah, Mark, Mark Isetta. Mark Isetta. oh my gosh, yeah, Mark you'd call Isetta. him about yeah. players and he'd be in his limo, or, oh, oh yeah, Yeah. Oh, he's the best. Um. So, so was Chuck Rostano? did he coach at Monmouth before you? Did he, did he have a run at Monmouth too, Jimmy?
4: Yeah. Yeah. So I took over when Chuck left, Chuck went to Temple and then I came in and actually the assistant when I was there for like one day was uh, Ty McGee. So it was me and Ty McGehee and then Ty left like the day I got hired and went to Auburn and then we hired Carl Nunnemaker. So it was me and Carl Nunnemaker, uh, for a few years at Monmouth, and then he left and went to Old Dominion. Now he's obviously at Auburn. But, yeah, Dean's had uh,
2: some assistance run through there. And there that's awesome. Spots, and, so, so. and so you're, like, mid-20s, and Pat Light is on your staff. Like, you're you're coaching a first-round pick at, at like, very early in your coaching career.
4: Oh, yeah, probably. If he, You know, probably if he had someone else, he probably would have went a lot higher than he did. <laughs> first round's pretty
1: high. Out, but
2: yeah,
4: yeah. But he uh, – yeah, that was my first – he was a freshman when I got hired there. So, just – a lot of trial and error with him. Poor guy. Oh, that's awesome! Is
2: he a Jersey yeah. guy or a New York guy, or where's he from, Pat Light?
4: He's he's from the shore. So he's yeah. he went to uh, Christian Brothers Academy High School. It's like 15 minutes from Monmouth.
2: Oh, that's awesome! And then, yeah. how many years did you? One of my all, uh, Mike Schwarren might be my favorite college pitcher of all time. Uh, but maybe my, one of my second favorites would be Sean Jelly. How many years did you get to coach Sean Jelly? I coached Sean for,
4: for his uh, sophomore and junior year, and then I was with Mike the whole time. Yeah, that's
2: great, too. And both those guys pitched in the big leagues, correct?
4: Yeah, Sean's still up there. Um, Mike got up and then had, like, uh, shoulder and elbow surgery at the same time, and he's actually making a comeback. He pitched in uh, indie Ball and had a really good year, so he's trying to make
2: a comeback now. Mm, that's awesome. All right, cool. Yeah. I, I may have some coaching follow-up questions for you guys at the end, but I want to save time for this 07 season. So, you know, like that's the scene, right? Louisville, you guys, you know, Skyler, you've been there and, you know, n- no offense to Coach Prado, whose resume is spectacular, but you guys were kind of like, I would characterize you as maybe bottom half of Conference USA. You're making the transition to the Big East. And, um, you know, that, that conference was, you know, it's still a good baseball conference, but it was much bigger back then and there's there's a lot of really good teams in there so let's start here you know you guys you know Skylar you're a fifth year senior Jimmy you're a junior but you're just getting there in January so Skylar you're gonna have to take this part of it Um, and then Jimmy anything that that you feel free to comment on top of this but I want to know about the fall Skyler. like Mac comes in with Chris Limonis and Roger Williams I mean this all-star cast you know Mac had a reputation because he had done so well at Ole Miss but they they hadn't actually popped to been through to Omaha yet? They just had gotten really good, really fast. But what was that fall like, Skylar? Uh,
3: everything that was going on was in, uh, entirely different. Um, and, it, you know, the emphasis that was put on the weight room, uh, we did a lot of things that were, I guess, we subtracted things out, you know, that we would do from just a conditioning or running standpoint. That was different for us. The style and the pace in which we practiced. Uh, the constant charting and competitive nature of everything that, that coach Mac was doing was, uh, was definitely different. You know, you have such a brilliant, I, I think the best pitching coach in the world and Roger Williams that, you know, his resume spoke for himself. He'd seen what he'd done at a multitude of places and, you know, you were kind of sitting there like, well, okay, this guy's really good. Like, is he going to give me all these gold nuggets, but you're kind of like, Oh, coach doesn't talk much. I guess I got to wait for those nuggets. Right. <laughs> And uh, it was just a different feel um, across the board. Now, as someone who had been there and, and knew the history of Louisville, it wasn't as if, you know, we were having conversations about, hey, this team is going to go to Omaha in nine months from now. That, that was not uh, really the thought process. We had some guys that were out in 06 and we'd made a good run in our conference tournament. Uh, myself, who, you know, Definitely participated a decent amount. Boomer Whiting, who, you know, ends up stealing 73 bags and was a dynamic leadoff hitter and, and center fielder for us. And then Chris Dominguez, who was the highest rated recruit we'd ever got. All three of us had the medical redshirt in 06. And so we had some pieces back that, you know, obviously were good. We had some young guys come in that you could tell were talented, but we also had a lot of players that just hadn't reached their peak. And so uh, we knew that we were gonna be good. We knew that we were gonna be better we knew we had a different feel but you know you're going into like we are right now in our worlds where we're doing meetings with coaches and all that and it, it it was still a ton of unknown as a whole
2: yeah all right so jimmy here's a here's the way i want to tee you up on this so so mac is so dynamic and like you know like i think of guys like mac where you could install him as the ceo of apple tomorrow and their stock would go up. Right. Like, I really believe that about Mac. Like he could do anything he wants. Like he was a math major at the Citadel. Right? It's like you have to be a rocket scientist to, to get that degree. And so he just chose college baseball. And then Coach Williams, I, I agree with what you said, Scholar. I mean, this guy, you look at his resume from a pitching standpoint, and it is nuts how good it is he's also very intimidating I I used to be his peer and then now I'm a member of the media and I like I'm scared to go say hello to coach Williams (laughs) I've known him for 30 years it's like (laughs) why am I nervous around this guy but he's the best like he is he's the best so Jimmy you come in like what this is my question what's the dynamic like because you guys are kind of playing for coach Williams and Mac at the same time does like what's that dynamic like the two of them
4: uh, I think Skyler, if you know, had Mac was like super intense, vocal, um, competitive, and, and not that Raj wasn't, but Raj is just a, the very stoic and just uh, doesn't say much, like, but like is always watching, you know, and was always watching it what everybody did. And when he spoke, you know, it was like, you, you really like rabbit ears went up and you like locked in, you know. Um so it was just very, very different approaches to the two of them. And uh, and it's funny, so with like Harry was saying how he's intimidating. So when I in the fall I took an official visit there. So uh Skyler was actually my host nice. uh, on my official visit. Well and done. I rem- Yeah, I remember sitting with Roger uh, and I was getting ready to fly back and like I was like terrified, like Roger's like, so what are you gonna do? And then he just sat there quiet. And like you just like,
2: uh I guess I'm coming.
4: I'm <laughs> <laughs> in. <mean. laughs>
2: Close by fear. That works.
4: Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah.
2: But... Oh, that's awesome. Hey, could you guys like I, I feel like I know culture is a buzzword and it, it's kind of overused, but like I do feel like that's a big part of the Louisville program. Like just that like Mac is gonna coach everything and the baseball is gonna take care of itself to a degree. Like, did, could you guys sense that right away or was it more like, hey, I just know that we, there was a pace before and now it feels like we're going a million miles an hour?
3: Well, I, I think that, you know, Coach Mack just made you believe that anything was able to be accomplished by just the way he would talk. Uh, sometimes it – I'm sure there were certain players that were like, is this guy serious? Is he ever going to take his foot off the gas? How does he keep saying all these things? Like – he, he is a master and, 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 you know, I think I, I certainly probably uh, attempt to emulate this. There's only one person can do it as great as him because I think he's the best motivator in college baseball. But he could he could really needle you about something, like really needle you to a level that it probably very much annoyed the person, but it made you do something better, right? There, There's, and I know Jimmy will, will know this, you know, our boomer, our center fielder who could run and... He was a very pretty guy and he was always done up and he didn't like to dive a lot, you know. And Coach Mack, we'd we'd go boat race somebody. I remember us beating Seton Hall on a Friday night, 16 to one, and the one run score in the ninth. Boomer didn't lay out for a ball and we're on the bus after. And everybody, you know, you went 16 to one on Friday. That's a good feeling. And I just remember Coach Mack being, you know, if if only our center fielder would dive. (laughs) We would get pitchers BP and you know, you're like, wow, like, is he going? Is that where he's going right now while we're eating our Papa John's pizza on the way to the hotel? But like, he could do that. And then you would see, and and there's famous catches that Boomer ended up making later. That's coaching, right? That's coaching. You can't be afraid to speak up. You can't be afraid to challenge. The way he does it, players ended up, I think it ends up resonating in a different way because they know he's saying it because he knows you can be great and, and he wants you to show how great you can be. He just articulates it in a different way.
2: Yeah.
4: Jimmy, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I agree. I think what he does and what we were part of is like just the environment he creates. Right. I think culture is, is created, um, you know, through environment over and over and over a number of years. And then the culture develops and it was just always a constant environment of motivation, accountability. Um, he just, he pushed you in a lot of areas, you know, not just on the field, you know, there's like one liners and things that he would, tell you like I still remember the things he said to would be like the three things that change you from the person you are to the person you'd be five years from now the things you eat, the people you hang out with, and the things you read like so he would just there's just things that he would talk about um, that outside of baseball so like I said it's just the, the environment he created with motivation accountability, the structure the competitiveness I think that's how the culture was created just because he's just that's who he is and it's just every year and that's now it's just who they are
2: yeah, it's awesome. All yeah. right, so let's go to let's go to the season. So, you know, you guys both had had, you know, there was a, it looked like a team that had a lot of people that had a lot of big roles, you know. The, you know, Skylar, you won 9 games that year. Jimmy, you threw 59 innings that year. You guys played a ton of games. I think you played like 73 games. Like it was a very full season. It, if I looked it up right though, and Skylar, I'll start with you again, it didn't look like it started out awesome. Like I think you guys lost your first two weekends. Um, I, I would imagine the Big East is a league that's tough to get your foot in because the weather is probably really uneven. But what do you remember about the kind of first part of the regular season?
3: Well, you know, I, I think a lot of people remember. This. Our first game there was a, was a shutout down at Southern Miss. You know, we played well. Zach Pitts, who ended up, you know, logging a zillion innings, was an All-American, had a great year, and, and it started off there. Um, what I think many people remember is – you know, our second game, and, and Jimmy, I'm sure, can remember this, and I don't remember the speaker's name, but Coach Mac played uh, – you know, before our second game, we're going to play Southern Miss. It's going to be a great crowd. And he played a video for us, a mom and Ali video, just talking about fighting, and he predicts all these things that are going to happen in the game. And talking about, you know, Dominguez hitting a home run in the first, Boomer getting on base, and just all these things. And, and as Jimmy can confirm that this actually happened – Dominguez hits a th- gets a 3-0 green light as a freshman. Um, hits a home run at Southern Miss. Um, you know, we go through this game. I, I remember it specifically because it was my first game back in two years. I got to pitch. You know, like the I guess it would have been the sixth and seventh inning, and it was a close game. So, I you know that was an exciting time, big atmosphere. We have a five two lead, two outs in the ninth, and we end up blowing the game. And there was actually a brawl as the final you know run scored. Um, some people on this podcast avoided, avoided suspension. (laughs) There's, there's another half, you know, uh, that, that may have uh, unfortunately gotten uh, wrongfully accused in this brawl, but uh, you know, I think it set the tone for what coach Mack, not the brawl. I know that that's what people talk about, but just the way we fight the way we had each other's back uh, not literally per se, but that was a big moment. Like that doesn't happen much. I'd never seen anything like that. And so there was a, a, an element, the way he handled that, where, hey, like, you got to understand, you got to fight, you got to do all these things, but there's a way we can corral this, right? And so we go through, and like you said, we kind of were up and down. What I always remember, it was a big turning point for us. It was kind of in the middle of the year. I think we were about, like, 19 and 10, but we had West Virginia come in, and West Virginia had a good team, and we swept them in a weekend, uh, and the last two games were particularly close, and it was good weather, and we had good – you know, attendance like it was kind of turning with the new stadium, or at least quasi new stadium, and so that kind of really got us rolling. We ended up, you know, rolling Kentucky in a midweek uh, the next week, and things kind of just got, you know, going. Uh, and, and so, therefore, I, I think it put us in a different headspace that we knew if we could continue that, we'd have a chance to potentially get to the dance. Which uh, it got dicey there at the end, but we at least got our got our foot in the door. You know, after the conference tournament in May.
2: Yep. Jimmy so so for Skyler this is his fifth Division 1 season. For you it's your first Division 1 semester. Like I would imagine it's a lot to take in and, and you don't have veterans that could say hey this is the way we do x y and z cuz everyone's trying to figure out on the fly. What were like that first part of the regular season what what were things that really stood out to you? uh well you just come from junior college so just the the structure you know in the organization
4: and then really the, you know you make the adjustment in talent you know the talent level um so I'm, I'm coming in and you know trying to earn a spot in january you know trying to earn innings in january and and we were old you know we were old and we had some guys who had a lot of college at-bats you know so uh um, It was, it was, it was challenging, but it was fun. You know, I felt, I didn't feel, ever feel like I was, uh, I kind of felt like I rolled right into it and was right a part of it.
2: That's awesome. Offensively for you guys, like Chris Dominguez is the, and Boomer Whiting, obviously. Like I remember those guys. I didn't realize Isaiah Howes, like his numbers were crazy. Like was, was, you know, maybe this is. You could pass on the question if there was. It really wasn't the type of offense. But was Isaiah kind of like the best player? Was he? Was he the the catalyst of that offense? I, he was the most explosive
4: player. I would say, like, he just he can run, throw. He had power. For me, the the catalyst of our offense when we were going good, it was Logan Johnson. When when mm. he he for me, he was like like. Steady, you always knew what you were gonna get. Always got big hits. I mean, he had like, I mean, I don't even know the number. Skyler probably knows how many hit by pitches that guy had in his yeah, career. Thirty like something, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was so. For me, he was like the guy who always was like, when he was going good, we were going good.
2: Was he? A, was he a holdover, Skyler Johnson, or he was? Had he been
3: there? He had. Yeah, he had. Uh, he was a year younger than myself, so you know that was. uh in 07 he would have been we were just like jimmy said we were old right i mean all those you know myself and boomer were the the fifth year redshirt seniors and then the rest of those guys that you could name off the pete rodriguez isaiah house logan johnson chris Cates, dan burton those are all older guys you know and uh it was ended up becoming an incredibly dynamic offense and i think Coach Mack created that by the the way that we just pressed people. I mean, we stole 153 bases. That's insane. And then, you know, that team really got hot from an offensive perspective and, and boat raced a lot of teams just driving the ball out of the yard. And I know Dominguez was the most famous name, but Dominguez didn't get hot until the NCAA tournament. He had a really you – know, I mean, a, a rough year. He was hitting two twenty nine with seven jacks going into the NCAA tournament. The numbers that you see there end up going, oh, that's pretty good. But he had really, really struggled. But when it was winning time, he was one of the best players in America.
2: And you
4: yeah. said, he, Oh, go ahead, Jimmy. Go ahead. No, I was going to say he had five homers going into the last game of the
2: season wow. at, at Cincinnati. And then he had two and then hit eight in the postseason. Oh my gosh. And he was yeah. a, f-
3: a red shirt freshman or something like that. He had been hurt the year before Scholar. He he uh, made a tag play down at FAU uh, in 06 uh, as he was kind of just snap tagging in. The guy was already, it was like a pop-up, quick pop-up slide and he just you know slung his hand there real quick and uh, broke his forearm. Uh, that was like game four or five of the year, and, and of course that put him out for the entire season.
2: Yeah, it's crazy looking at the numbers. You guys hit seventy-eight home runs. You know, a, a enormous number of home runs, and then still stole all those bases. It was you know like you, you just wouldn't think to run that much when you're hit, have that much power. But obviously, that's always been Max Staple. Is it's going to be uh, up tempo? Any game that requires patience would not be good for Mac. That would not be you know like that's not his. Not not his stick. That's that's awesome. Hey, uh, uh, let me do the pitch logic read here, and then we will get to kind of the more postseason stuff. So, second sponsor of the pod is Pitch Logic. It's a system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play, from the youth leagues all the way to the big leagues. It's easy to use and affordable technology. It makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features that are used in the big leagues at the highest level of our game. See pitchlogic.com for more information. That's pitchlogic.com for more info. Appreciate those guys very much as well. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. All right, so let's do – let's let's kind of start to get to the end of the season and we're going to the postseason. What I thought was interesting, but I want to get your guys' perspective because you lived it. You know, it, this is not – now Louisville's a program where you come down on the stretch run of a season and, you know, most years, almost every year, they kind of – like, you know you're in. It's just a matter of are we hosting, are we not hosting, are we a top eight seed, are we not a top eight seed. That wasn't the Louisville that you guys were living in. Like, this – you were trying to get the second bid in the history of this school. So – you know, it looked like you guys got off to a good start in the conference tournament and then Rutgers ended up beating you twice and winning it. What yeah, kind of take us there, Skyler, like really what I'm interested is the end of the season. And then what did it, what was like selection, the selection show like for you guys?
3: Uh, I I remember like it was yesterday, my, I mentioned Zach Pitts, buddy of mine. I I still remember myself and and a couple other teammates, uh, Gavin Logston, and Kobe Wark and some guys. We, like you said, we start off good in that conference tournament. We get us to 40 wins and, and then we lose two in a row. And uh, our flight was not till Sunday and we had you know lost on Friday and and the coaches basically said, Hey, we just you gotta make the bus on Sunday that goes to the airport. And so uh, I remember I don't wanna use like, you know, you're in a dark place, but I remember just eating Chinese food for lunch for dinner for lunch for dinner from the same double dragon place. Didn't want to leave the hotel. I, I thought it was probably over, right? Like that was, that was what I felt. Uh, you know, I know there's some other guys that did too. And maybe for me at that moment, I did not, I really didn't want that to be it because uh, I knew that we did have a good group and, and I felt like we were deserving getting to 40 wins, but uh, that was a really rough couple days. You know, it was, uh, you were very antsy to get to that selection show and, and I know Jimmy remembers how that selection show went. It, we were the last regional that was shown. No so, way. Uh, it's a very <laughs> – it was as scary a moment as you'll ever have in, in, in terms of, you know, sitting in that position. And so, uh, you know, I still have a picture of, of hugging a, a guy I grew up with who was one of our managers uh, from the Mason family, Jeff Mason. Like – and I just – I remember hugging him and everybody hugging one another because we were so just uh, – jubilant to get in there and you know jimmy briefly uh, you know alluded to it earlier i think that's what gave our team a, a freedom that i know a lot of teams don't know they're getting in but our team when you talk about playing with house money we played with house money better than just about as good as anyone in college baseball because uh, we had older guys we we couldn't believe that we did get in and i think that really helped us you know as we headed out to columbia for that regional
2: Oh, that's awesome. Hey, Jimmy. So, uh, so same question, like kind of like the selection show and like that moment in time, were you guys in like a public place watching it with fans or were you guys by, it was just the team watching it. Just the team in the clubhouse. We were just in the clubhouse together. Yeah. So what was, what was, what was that, uh, that moment like for you, Jimmy, like being your first year division one baseball, it must be wild. I honestly didn't know what to expect. You know, I was just, Your first year, and you know, Scholar had
4: gone through it, you know, however many years of college baseball before that four years, you know. So I was just kind of going with it, honestly. You know, it didn't really know what to I knew we had a good team, I thought we did enough. Um, But you you just don't know. But you get towards the end there, like your brain starts going down the you got one regional left, and you're like, well, we ain't getting in. And then, you know, obviously it was, it was, uh, they have some photos like, you know, Chris Cates, and you know, obviously Chris is, you know, five foot three. And like him jumping off the ground and, you know, it was, it was really cool. But it was, Skylar was right. It was like, once we got in, it was like, everybody was like house money.
2: We was like, we were just playing free. That's awesome. All right. So you take this part, Jimmy, and then Skylar, you, you, uh, you back them up on this. So now like you get in the jubilation, I, I, I would imagine it's one of those things where you can't even remember who you're playing because you're just so fired up about seeing your name up there. So now you're going to travel to Missouri and, you know, this, this is the first time Missouri has hosted, but they're not a new kid on the block. This was that stretch where Coach Jamison had them going to seven straight regionals. You know, you had famous players like Ian Kinsler. Max Scherzer had just helped them get to a super regional the year before. But this is their first time to host. The other thing that's crazy about this, I had no idea, but Miami is in this regional. And Miami is carrying a 13-year regional streak, but not 13 years of going to regionals. 13 years of winning regionals. Miami had won their last 13 regionals, which doesn't even feel valid coming out of my mouth. Like that, that feels like fantasy Island, but Jimmy, start us off there. Like, what do you remember about like, kind of you travel to Columbia and then you get there and, and settling into that regional? Well, yeah, you, you look at,
4: you, you get in, you're excited. And then you're looking at the teams and, and uh, obviously Miami sticks out just because, you know, of what the the history of that program but I remember getting down there and it was at, it was during the time like they don't do it anymore. But you used to have like the uh, like the regional you'd have like a dinner, you know, oh, for all the worst. Teams. The worst. So, yeah. Bad. Yeah. So you'd have like the dinner for all the teams. You remember getting the T-shirt with all the teams on it and, and the whole deal. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I you know. Scouting reports that, you know, in 2007 weren't really like a, a big thing. Like you'd get it from word of mouth, you know what I mean? You weren't getting video and, and this and that. Like you heard, like they had this guy, Aaron Crow, Missouri, who was a really good arm. Um, and then you heard like the Yonder Alonzo and, you know, all these guys on Miami and uh, and they were physical. Um, but the one thing I do remember, so how that regional started. So we're playing Miami game one, okay? Just to give you an idea of how free our guys are playing. Uh boomer whiting was leading off for us first you know second regional in school history three two count lead off a game drag (laughs) bun.
2: no way oh yeah started off three two (laughs) count to start the regional yeah and then we rolled them we rolled them pretty good that first game oh that's awesome so skylar you take it from there so you guys you you beat miami i think you lost to mizzou in game two is that correct
3: that that's correct um I mean, I, I can speak to a little individual nature of probably the mental roller coaster. I I, I remember telling our team about this last year, but, you know, we're, we're playing Mizzou. We're up 3 nothing, and uh, um, Kobe Wark just kind of lost the strike zone there in the sixth, and they hit a couple jacks. The bases get loaded. I actually come in uh, <clears throat> the game, you know, we are uh, we're up by one, but it's bases loaded, no outs, and come in there, and I'm throwing, you know, 82 miles an hour, but we kind of navigate through and the game stays at bay until the eighth. And then, um, with one out in the eighth, I'd given up a Jack solo Jack. Um, and and I, I could not have pitched any better individually, you know, um, but we end up losing that game. Uh, and I, you know, you're excited because you throw really well, but you also gave up the home run that the solo that kind of, you feel like loses the game. And so I remember us going back to the hotel and, you know, I can, be honest in saying this, I wouldn't have admitted it at the time, but you're like, well, wow, is this like, I guess that's the last time I'm going to pitch. Maybe, you know, I remember sitting there with my dad talking about that a little bit, you know, we're at the hotel and we competed very well as an electric atmosphere, but you're sitting there going, okay, well now we got to play Miami at 11. And then in, if you beat Miami then you're going to play Missouri again, and you have to beat them, not just once you have to beat them twice. And so, um, yeah, it seemed like a bit of a daunting task and it played some games with you mentally. But, um, you know, I think that's where our, our culture probably was it's maybe most shining moment. Um, you know, and what we did over those next three games out there in Columbia.
2: So, so how did the next, so t- take, us f- finish, finish the regional for us, scholar. So you guys beat Miami we and beat then-
3: Miami. It's a, it's a back and forth, all hands on deck. We won an eight to seven game. Um, you know, obviously tons of adrenaline. I remember, you know, running from the bullpen, all of us are like, oh, my gosh, Like, I cannot believe we just won that game. We didn't realize the 13 year ramification. We just knew that's Miami. Like you're not supposed to be Miami twice in a regional. Right. You know, doing it once in the way we did 13 to seven. You're like, wow, that was pretty good. Um, you know, I think maybe one of the more famous, uh, I think, moments maybe in, in Louisville history probably ended up happening that night game. You know, we had a, a great battle. Uh, it was two to two. Uh, I believe it would have been the bottom of the eighth the way it worked with us being the home team. But uh, two to two game and, and Chris Dominguez, you know, hits a ball down the left field line. It's, you know, not the greatest lit place in the world out there in Columbia. And he hits it what seems like 500 feet and it's in the air forever. And he stands at home for like 10 seconds because you're waiting to see is it fair or foul? Is it foul? Is it fair? And they signal it fair, you know, and Chris took a long time going around the bases uh, immediately became public enemy number one <laughs> there in Columbia. And the, uh, the last inning we grind through, we end up holding them. We went four to three. Uh, so we forced the, the rubber game. And then, uh, we, uh, we end up deciding about 45 minutes before the game that we thought since they were throwing Aaron Crow and he was throwing, you know, 98 that we should start me, you know, coming back off after throwing, uh, A lot of pitches and not having a lot of velo. And Jimmy could tell you, I think I was throwing about 74, 76 uh, for my inning that I skated through. And so we skated through the top of the first. And our offense that we spoke of earlier put up a nine spot on Crow in the first inning. And we boat raced to that regional final 16 to 6. We beat Missouri. And so, um, you know, what was kind of wild about that. And and I know we'll we'll get to the obviously what what happened next. But when you're up 16 to 6 and you're in the ninth, you have a pretty good idea you're going to win. Uh, And to do that, you know, on another team's field was uh, was a pretty incredible thing. And, you know, we'd had great battles with that team and three games in the span of probably, you know, 30 hours. uh, You know, you're having to compete pretty hard. So to win that and that bus ride back to Louisville was was certainly a time none of us will ever forget.
2: So, and that was back in the format where it was, you would come back on Monday night to beat them and you're going to play Crow or you're going to face mm-hmm. Crow, correct?
3: We did it midday. We played at noon. So we actually ended up getting back to Louisville in the, uh, after our cold showers, after we won, uh, we got to, uh, we got to get back there late at night to, uh, to Louisville.
2: Oh my gosh. Was Kyle Gibson on that Mizzou team too? Yeah. He was a freshman. Yeah, freshman. Did you guys face? Yeah. So you face Crow? Did you have to face Gibson or someone? Or or you, you had to face him too? hmm Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um. All right. So so Jimmy, you you take us from here. So the bus ride back to Louisville, like, do you guys even? So you you're trying to get your arms around what just happened. Do you know like who you would play or what? What What do you guys know at this point when you guys are driving You're bussing back to Louisville
4: uh we had we're on the way back i mean i think we were all just freaking jacked that we were one you know so we're all jacked up on the bus um but we had knew that oklahoma state had was playing arkansas uh, to win that regional and they were a three seed as well so uh when oklahoma state had won it it was kind of like okay well what's going on like where are we going are we going right. to oklahoma state or what and i can remember being on the bus and coach telling the team like as we're riding back on the bus that we were hosting and the bus went absolutely nuts. Uh oh, wow. that we were that we were hosting the super. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really oh, cool.
2: That's yeah. really cool. Hey, who was the uh, MVP of the regional? Do you guys recall like who or, Mingo. Or, Oh, It was, it was Dominguez? Yeah, Dominguez. Yeah, so he, he had, went off. Yeah, so you're like you said, Jimmy, like he he had eight home runs in that several week stretch. So he was just leaving regularly at that point yeah yeah he was from there on in his career he just was hot as can be that's awesome uh he's like six foot five too and, and like physical right like he's a monstrous human yeah yeah he's actually the head coach of bellarmin too that's right yeah so he coached uh uh the kid for the d-backs right like uh uh brandon uh, uh fought is that how you say it? yeah he was an assistant there yeah at the time oh that's awesome very mm-hmm. cool. All right, so S- Skylar, you're you're the right person for this. So now you guys are going to host a super regional at Louisville. You've never even hosted a regional at Louisville. Now we're we're just going to skip that part. We're going to host a super. What what was that like?
3: Um, it, it was probably the first moment that you ever felt uh, at Louisville like baseball was important. Um, and, and I don't mean that is it, 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 we had Tom Jurich loved baseball like. I don't mean it as as from an administrative standpoint. Right. I mean it just people were prepared to see what what is this, what is like people in Louisville know what baseball is, but what's a super regional, right? Like people in Louisville were more excited, you know, years earlier when Chris Burke was playing for Tennessee and Omaha. Like people watched that, but right. now like we're doing this, we're hosting, they're adding stands we have to get rid of the Miller light tent because you can't have that during an NCA regional. Like we have events going on at Louisville Slugger, uh, you know, downtown, like there's, it, you, you gained an element of popularity that you never had. Right. We were at, you know, we're there at Louisville during the Terrence Williams, Earl Clark, Francisco Garcia, Techon Dean, Brian Brom, you named the Louisville athletes that were famous. Like we weren't getting the street cred and, and it was kind of our time you know, and, um, not to put undue pressure on or anything, but we we're, you know, sitting there going, wow, this is going to be really cool. Hopefully we have the greatest crowds ever. And hopefully we just go do what we do. Um, so that was kind of what the buildup was like, uh, heading into the, we had a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, regional. Um, what I always remember that was terrible was before the first game, we had a weather delay. And I remember uh, wow. thinking, is this going to mess up with the crowd? Like what's going to happen? And fortunately, um, you know, Zach Pitts went out there and shoved and we, we boat raced the first game of the regional nine to nothing. That's awesome.
2: So, Jimmy, you you've coached in a bunch of intense super regionals. You know, I think about uh, Kentucky in 2017. I think about those two super regionals when you guys were at Maryland and you had to play Virginia on the road both those times. How would you compare like being in a being in a super regional as a player to what it's like as a coach?
4: Uh, it's way more stressful as a coach than yeah. it is as a player. Yeah, I mean, a player, you're just you're just playing the game. You know, you're just competing. You know, as a coach, now you just you, you just want to make sure that your team is prepared and you're not, you know, you're putting those guys in the right position to succeed. Um, so I think as a coach, it's a lot more you know stressful than it is as a player. As play was just, you know, getting back to that house money. It was just like we were just out there playing. It was fun. That's awesome. I don't a, a, at no point during that whole entire run did I ever feel any sort of like our team ever feel any sort of pressure, like it's getting tight or anything
2: through that whole entire run. Yeah. Did you did like, so, so Skylar, you take it from here. So, but let me ask a general question too. So you guys, you guys won the first game. I think you lost the second game and you had to go to a game three. Was there like a very direct formula for you guys? Like, Hey, at this point in the season, like, the way we're going to win is Chris Domingos is going to hit a home run or, you know, Mark's going to pitch greater, you know, something like, was it, was it pretty specific or was it just like, Hey, we're, we're playing with house money. We're hot as a pistol and we're just, something's going to happen magical and we're going to win this game.
4: Our offense just was really hot at that time. Um, You know, we were just swinging the bats really well. Our pitching was pretty consistent throughout the entire year. We didn't, if you look at the stats, we didn't have a ton of arms. Um, you know, it was just we had the guys who we had and we just we all threw, you know, like in that regional. I mean, we threw like a lot of our we threw every day in that regional. We would I mean Schuyler, I think, through like the day game and then warmed up for the night night game. You know, like I did it, pitch against Miami, warmed up against Missouri that night. Like it was just kind of what we did. Um, so our pitching was pretty consistent throughout the whole year. Like we weren't really shutting a lot of teams out, but you, you knew we what we kept guys in the game and then our offense.
2: That's kind of what we rode, you know, through the postseason with our offense. So you guys it, were not necessarily in set roles. Like it sounded like Zach Pitts was starting the first game of whatever weekend. Other than that, were the roles pretty fluid for you guys on that team?
3: Well, I, I would I would say this: they were they were fluid because we knew how we were going to handle winning time. Like Pitts and Marks were the guys. Mm-hmm. Then we knew that Wark was going to start the third game, but he was very limited. And then based on how the games were the day before, Jimmy or I would always piggyback and we would just basically manage the game, hold the game, create an opportunity for us to to win. And then we would pass the baton on to, uh, you know, Tristan Magnuson, who ended up pitching the big leagues, was a supplemental pick that year. Uh, It was basically Kyle Hollander, Gavin Logson through some short stints. Jimmy and I would prolong uh, and then Magnuson would close. And that was kind of the way the five, it was five of us that threw, you know, I mean, that's just basically what it was. And then we were really hoping that Pitts and Marks would be good. And and thank goodness they were uh, very often.
2: So, so Marks got beat by Oklahoma state. So they beat him and then you guys are a little vulnerable going into game three.
3: Well, you know, we, so we were one strike away from, it was, we were up two to one in the ninth inning. We had Tristan Magnuson on the mound, um, Two uh, you know, two outs, two strikes. The place is going bonkers. There's 5,600 people. We're about to go to Omaha, and and I'm actually blanking on the guy who hit the ball, but they hit a ball to left, and you know, I think Jimmy's in the bullpen with me if I remember this correctly. But we were down the left field line because we had to switch dugouts, uh, just the way the thing works. And the ball goes to left. You mentioned Isaiah House. He had like a over 40 inch vertical, and you see him jump, and he timed it, and you're like, oh my gosh, he's gonna catch it, and he just doesn't. So we end up throwing Tristan at five or six innings. We lose in 13 or 14 innings, three to two. Um, mm. So that's a tough feeling. Um, certainly wasn't maybe, you know, to how we felt after we lost that game at Missouri. Uh, but it's also, you know, you, you, you're you lying if you don't have any doubts going, so wait, we were one strike from Omaha and now we got to play a, a game to decide it. And, uh, you know, I know uh, Jimmy and probably a lot of guys laugh, but I always can... I can I can do the Coach Mack pretty good. Coach Mack gave what I still would imagine if you if you put his foot to the fire, his most famous speech he ever gave us. I think it's a speech that probably parlayed what he's done at Louisville uh, over all those years. But um, basically, just the it's not about the dad. I'll give you the Cliff Notes. He always talked about the Omaha picture up in his car, and he'd flip down the mirror thing and he'd look at Omaha, 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 and he kept repeating. I looked at it every day and. He says it's all nonsense, you know. He's like, you guys, no matter what happens, and then 45 minutes from now, you're the greatest Louisville team ever, which we were. It doesn't matter. It's about relationships. It's about people. He started breaking down. Other guys were kind of like, is it okay? I am feel like I'm about to break. You know, he goes just all into it and, and basically took the whole burden off. And it, we were probably the equivalent of a, of a football team coming through, you know, a, a crowd of like 95,000. And, uh, you know, we went out there and look, we won the game 20 to two, you know, Jimmy and I always like to joke, we pitched pretty well in the game, but it wasn't that hard. (laughs) It wasn't that hard, you know, I, uh, you know, we, we, we did our parts, we got our name, the win column or pitch column or whatever it was, but we boat raced them. And uh, it was a party uh, from probably about the fifth inning on because, Everyone knew it was ball game. You know, Isaiah Howes had a grand slam in the eighth to make it go from 16 to two to 20 to two. And it was just basically a party from there on out.
2: That's awesome. Who was the MVP of the super regional or who was the player that stands out? Was it Dominguez again? I don't think it was maybe. He Rodriguez
3: hit two home runs in that. He hadn't hit a home run the whole year and he hit two. No way. Um, you know, Howes was good. Pitts obviously set the stage Friday. Um, I don't know. We scored. 31 runs that weekend. So we certainly were doing our job offensively. But I I think we really were. I mean, we had great players, but I just think it was a constant revolving door of guys just constantly showing up, right? It's what we all, it's what Jimmy and I hope our teams do at Troy and Clemson, right? Like we just showed up. Our guys did the job. We did not have mass numbers of pitchers. We didn't really care. We weren't like, well, hey, I'm an entity. I got to work. No, we just were like, let's answer the bell and pitch our offensive guys, they take their HBPs, they ran down the line fast, they stole and they hit jacks. Like, it's just, that was our identity. And it certainly got us to, uh, it certainly got us to, to Omaha. And and, and we certainly had a heck of a, a good time winning a super regional in Louisville. I will tell you one thing, Runesland. this is no, no offense to any other city, but one thing Louisville does like to do is they will celebrate a winner. Uh, yeah. And so we got to, uh, realize what it, what it's like to be, uh, the BMOX on campus for a little while, and and we certainly had our fair share of fun there for that uh, couple days or that week.
2: That's awesome. What uh, and I, like I'm so glad you shared that that thing about Mac giving that talk before Game Three. Like I can that that is. I can see that. That is just amazing. So let me do – I want each of you guys to give me a reflection from that Omaha trip. So, Jimmy, you go first. Like, whether it's just, like, being on the plane to go there or, like, when you first arrive or what, – what's something that you – like, a, a reflection that stands out from your trip to Omaha as a player?
4: Oof. Oh. For me, I like the biggest thing, like when I think about it was like when we first got there and like you walk it like right when you landed, they took us right over to Rosenblatt. And like the it was just the colored seats at oh, Rosenblatt that's... were just like they were so different than everywhere else. Right? You had like the yellow and the red and the blue. And I remember just like being there and it was just like you almost felt like you were in awe of the whole thing. And then the opening ceremonies, like and just, just the whole, you know, up into the game. You know, once we got to the games, it was baseball. But just the, for me, it, like, I just remember all the stuff prior to that.
2: Yeah, yeah, just the whole. I, I don't know. I, I always say it's like being a big leaguer for a player. You know, like it's just, it's incredible. Right. Same, same question for you, Skylar. What's what's a reflection you have from that Omaha trip?
3: Um, you know, I just think getting to see all those people that you had seen on tv and you realized you were on that same level um or at least being able to be talked about as a group as a team you know I remember going up to Kyle Peterson in the outfield in between throwing and saying hey I really like listening to you and now it's like he's called games I've coached in like and actually conversed with the guy like I remember you know introducing myself Darren Andrews I know everyone always laughed about that but I certainly had quite the crush on her uh, at that time. So I had to make sure I introduced myself to her. And, um, you know, I just, I remember like Jimmy said at best, I think there was some moments of you going over the Hill into Rosenblatt when you can't see it. And then you go over the Hill and you see the colored seats, you see, you know, the LSU stand, even, you know, there all the time, uh, and just the mass amounts of people, right. You know, signing autographs for two straight hours after you're, you know, a little 55 minute BP session that they give you the day before it starts. Like you've never seen a line of people like that, just waiting for your autograph. So uh, a lot of the memories are the things that weren't on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's what probably makes it cool. Cause those, those really resonate like in your, in your brain, you can remember little nuanced things of them as time goes on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I said this on the last podcast, but every year broadcast, you know, like doing the super regionals from the studio, I'm like half super sad, half like joyous right because for the teams that are going i know like this is going to be like there's no bad trip to omaha there's no such thing um it's a you know and then for the teams that lose in a super regional it's like your soul is crushed forever like i yeah you never get over that so but i I love what you said you got what you guys said it's like you guys literally were the best team in louisville history and louisville baseball history and you, you changed our sport because louisville went from like instantaneously they went from a kind of like just a school of the baseball program to like a powerhouse program in our sport. And, you know, Mac's going to be a, a hall of famer. I mean, it just, it's just incredible to think that it started with that group. So really cool. Hey, so let, let's wrap up with this, you guys. So I want to ask you about your current teams. I'm going to give you a player I want you to talk about. I also want you to add a player that people aren't talking about that we should be talking about. So um, for you, Jimmy, I'm going to start with you. So Cam Canarella is like, I mean, I, I couldn't have a more favorite player in America right now. Like, this dude is just a baller, and he's got big personality, and, like, that umpire that threw him out of the regional last year owes us all, like, a lifetime of apologies. I'm kidding, right? Like, sort mm-hmm. of kidding. But, um, like, he's just awesome. So, so I want you to tell us about Cam Canarella, because I feel like I, I, I've seen him play. I love his game. I don't know him that well. And then um, give us another player on Clemson's 2024 team that, uh, is under the radar but shouldn't be under the radar. Cam is probably the best skilled baseball player I've ever coached um,
4: positionally. He, like, just to give it, like, last year, he came in as a shortstop. And, uh, you know, so we had Will Taylor. And we so we needed someone to go out to center field. Will couldn't play at the start of the season. Will was going to play at the start of the season. He had some knee injuries coming back from football. Um, so we needed a center fielder. And literally a week before the season, we're like, Cam, you ever play center field? He's like, nope we put him out there and he's making over the shoulder catches, Willie Mays catches doing everything. Um, and he is, he exudes in a, a crazy amount of confidence. So this a perfect example is today. So we have date game three of our fall super regional. We call it our, our fall super regional. And his team is down four to three last inning, two outs. And he proceeds to hit a two run, go ahead, Homer, you know, that's just kind of who he is. It's, He's on the barrel with every swing. He's just—he's a special baseball player. And then uh, the guy that nobody's talking about, people know about, but I—you I, know—I he had a great fall and a great summer uh, that he's going to have a huge role on our staff. Is Tristan Smith, left-handed pitcher. Uh, he was a highly rated guy at high school, uh, very, very talented, and he's—he's he's made the progressions that you'd like to see out of a guy who can be a, a frontline ACC guy.
2: Yep. He was more of a bullpen arm last year, correct? Yeah, pitching a lot of high
4: leverage situations for us. a yep. bullpen
2: guy. I feel like uh, getting back to Cam for a second. I feel like I think he's from the Carolinas. I don't know for sure. He's from the South somewhere. I think he feels like he should be from Long Long Island, Jimmy. Like he he's a northeastern guy that just got he was just raised in the South. I don't know. I don't know his per, maybe his personality is not that way, but he plays like a northeasterner. He plays like that.
4: His personality is not like that. He's <laughs> a man of very little words. Words. He uh, huh.
2: very he often feel very soft spoken. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love him even more. Uh, so Skylar, I'm going to make you talk about Shane Lewis. I love it. He hit 27 bombs last year and he's a guy that really had to, you know, bounce around trying to find the right opportunity for him. Like he's the example of where the transfer portal can be really, um, although he's not really a transfer portal guy. Cause I think he did Juco in between, but you know, like, Hey, finding the place where you can really become the best version of yourself and then bets on himself to come back. Like, I love that. Um, yeah. Tell us about Shane Lewis and then another guy that, uh, of your choice.
3: Yeah. We, we love that. He bet on himself and come came back too. Yeah. When he, in our far world series, when he hit a ball 450 feet, we were certainly a huge fan of that, uh, Shane just a special talent. I mean, you don't see switch hitters with, you know, high level juice from both sides. Um, you know, he's a really good runner. Um, you know, he, he, he just, he has a, a special twitch in his bat that you just do not see very often. Um, you know, his year last year was uh, you could not have asked for more, uh, you know, setting a school record for homers uh, to be an All-American newcomer of the year in the Sun Belt, player of the year in the Sunbelt. No one had done that in over 20 years. Um, just an, an outstanding kid, very humble, uh, does not like all of the acclaim, right? Like his teammates love it way more than he does, but that's OK. Uh, that's part of his DNA. And so. Uh, we're really lucky he's back, and and I, and yet I think there's things in his game that he knows he can improve, and he's working hard to do them, and and hopefully he can showcase that on a you know on a national stage in 2024. Um, you know I think a player that I, I guess I would I mean there's a lot we really like our team, but I think Gary Gaines, uh missed last year, you know uh, having having elbow surgery, uh, but was you know freshman of the year in this league in 21 before we got here. Uh, you know, second or third in the league in all pitching statistics in 2022, our first season. Um, you know, Gary's got the furthest extension in college baseball, fastball up to 96. He's 6'4, 220. He looks the part. He's a great competitor. Uh, unicorn fastball. His off speeds had really developed prior to injury, and I expect it to be just as good as he gets back. Uh, I think he's going to be a major X factor for our team. I think he's a high level professional. I think he's going to pitch in the big leagues. Um, you know, he's just, he has something unique, um, uh, but he also competes at an elite level. And so, um, he's one that I think won't get talked about because sometimes guys get lost in the shuffle when they, when they're injured and people kind of go, Oh my gosh, I forgot that Gary Gain like Gary Gaines is a superstar. And I think people get to see that, especially as he gets, you know, kind of his sea legs coming back, uh, this spring.
2: Mm, that's awesome. Really cool. Uh, I I knew the time would go very fast and it did. I I really appreciate these You guys, I, I, I mean this sincerely when, when people ask questions like, Hey, who are, who are the best pitching coaches in college baseball? Your two names always come up and you guys are so well respected in our profession. And, you know, Tyler, now you're on your head coaching track and Jimmy, if that's what you want, that's down the road for you as well, but it's so so individually. You guys are so well thought of, and and you know I I personally feel that way a hundred percent. But then to know that you guys share this experience in common, and I just I think about this time of year in two thousand six. No humans outside of Louisville, Kentucky were talking about the two thousand seven Louisville baseball program. No one was. I mean, maybe like if you're a complete junkie, you're talking about oh damn McDonald. I wonder how he's going to do. At, at Louisville, but nobody knew, you know, um, you know, obviously coach Williams was more, maybe more famous than Mac. And, you know, we, we kind of barely knew who Chris Lamonis was, but that team, that team that you guys were on literally made history. And now all the tributaries and your guys' careers are part of that. So it's just so cool. And, and I, I loved hearing the stories. I told you guys, I, you know, the, the play-by-play guy for Louisville forever, Sean Moth, who's one of the just all-time great humans that you get to interact with in, in our sport you know, texting with him today was, I I wish I could have, you know, I wish I could have uh, verbalized the text thread. That was, that was so uh, absolutely fun. So I I appreciate this. This has been really fun. Um, Yeah. Thank you guys for indulging me on that.
4: Awesome.
2: And the last thing I'll say is, and I could speak for Skylar
4: too, is like uh, that whole staff, what's unique is like, we have a lot of guys that we played with that are in coaching and guys that have been there since we've been gone that are in coaching. I don't know if Scholar would be doing what he's doing if if that staff didn't come in. But I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if that staff if I wasn't with that staff. Um, and the way that we coach, like the, I'm sure you know, the foundation of what we learned from Raj is still part of what Scholar does. It's just like it's probably part of what I do. And the things that Mac taught us in in the recruiting and motivation, things that Monas taught us on how to recruit. You know, like all those things. That we learned from that staff are all in all of us, you know, that are in coaching still. Um, so it's those guys were a huge part of everything, and for me, it's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's the opportunity that I got from those guys.
2: Yeah, love that. Very cool, boys. That was this was so great, um and, and I'm so glad to hear I'm not the only one intimidated by Coach Williams. That makes me feel really good. Yeah. To- <laughs> yeah. Get in cool. line. Yeah, he says. Now I know why it is, though, because he does. He's so he doesn't want to talk. He wants to just do things. And so for me, I'm going to ask him to talk. So now it's all it's all coming together. So right. really, really appreciate you guys. This is great. Good luck this year. Um, for everyone listening, this is the last uh, episode of Sunday Night Conversations. But the podcast on the D1 Baseball Network keep coming. Um, and that's it. Everybody have a great holiday. If we don't talk to you, uh, and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast.